You know, getting started is always the hardest part. For some reason, it's just like exactly what do I say to start with? Um, but I do just want to share a few things that um, James have I, and I have talked about a little bit. But um, like back in the middle 80s, I became familiar with this story in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And it has ministered to me through the years. And um, so I thought, okay, we'll just go for it. So it's in 2 Samuel chapter 9. It's the story of Mephibosheth. I think that's how you say his name. Um, I don't know how James does it every week with this, and it doesn't bother him. (laughs) But it's like I'm wanting to start to sing with him. Which would be a disaster. Um, I think I think I'm just sort of going to tell you the story of it a little bit instead of reading it, and you can go back and read it. Read that chapter. It's only 13 verses long. Um, King David had been at war, fighting all the enemies. We don't even need to try to list them all. And um, the story of Mephibosheth starts after there has been peace. The kingdom has come to a place of rest. The enemies are defeated. And there's a peace that's reigning in the land. All right, before that, we're going to go back a little bit before that. Before that... When David was just a young boy, before he became king, he was brought to King Saul's house, palace, castle, whatever they had back then. And um, he and Jonathan, Saul's son Jonathan, made a covenant with each other. And because of that covenant, this story starts. Now, covenant in the Bible... um, Blood covenant started way from the beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned, God killed an animal to clothe them with, and that was the first shedding of blood. And all the heathen people through through all the ages had a blood covenant. Covenant itself means to cut. And so it was not just words. It wasn't just a contract like we have nowadays. It was probably the most serious, the most binding commitment that anybody could ever make. And there were always blessings with the covenant and curses with the covenant. Um, So Jonathan realized something about David that he was probably going to become the king. And he made David um, enter, didn't make him, but they desired to enter into covenant together. And Jonathan said, Jonathan took off his robe and gave it to him, gave him his, his belt and his weapons and all of that, which they did that when they made the covenants. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't say that they cut any place on them and shed blood, but they may have. Because back before God told them, don't drink the blood, the heathen people would cut their wrist or something. They would dr- drop their blood over 
um, a goblet or something, a stone cup, whatever they had back then when they were heathens. Um, you know, before they had these beautiful crystal goblets and all that stuff. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would um, mingle their blood in there and then they would drink it. And, that, and then they would, they would cut their hand or their wrist or something and they would rub ashes or something in that scar to seal the covenant. Then they would have a meal and they would do all this stuff. I don't know if David and Jonathan did all of that or not, but something interesting before we actually get into this little story, um, the seal of the covenant back then was the, the cut, the mark, the scar. And then, you know, when it came down to the Abrahamic covenant, the seal of the covenant was circumcision. Then, through the ages, different things have come down, tradition. One of them was the wedding ring. Um, as time progressed. But now with the new covenant with God, the seal of the covenant is the Holy Spirit. Is that awesome? We are sealed, it says in Ephesians, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of what is to come. So, all right, we get over here to Mephibosheth. And... um, Jonathan had entered into this covenant with David. In this particular story, we can look at this like this. Um, David could be a type of the father. Jonathan could be a type of the son because of the way the story progresses here. Now, that doesn't follow through through the whole thing, but we can look at that because this story of Mephibosheth shows us what God's heart is to us. It's a really good little quickie picture in the Old Testament of how God feels about us and what he thinks about us. Um, Jonathan told David, he said, Okay, even if I die... I want you to show kindness to my seed, to my descendants. And so here we come at chapter 9 of 2 Samuel. David's at peace now, the kingdom's at peace and all of that. So he says, Is there still anyone who is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And... Okay, so we're going to get started there. He wanted to show kindness for Jonathan's sake, not because anybody might have done something. So, the the servant of Saul's house named Ziba, Z-I-B-A, interesting name, anyway, um, said, yes, there's a son of Jonathan left. And so King David sends them to go get the son and bring him back. And when Mephibosheth comes in... Now, okay, let me just calm down here a minute. Okay, when they were fighting and having wars and all of that stuff, there came a time when Saul was killed and Jonathan was killed. Jonathan's son, M, (laughs) Mephibosheth, was five years old when that happened. The nurse, his nursemaid, grabbed him up out of fear, ran to hide. A five-year-old kid, now some 
kids are big at five years old. Some aren't. Who knows what size he was? But he was a pretty good-sized little boy, and she dropped him on both his feet, on his, dropped him, and both his feet became lame. So all these years go by. He's living out in this place called Lodibar, which means without pasture or pastureless. Now, who knows how many years? I don't know. I didn't stop to figure it out, and I didn't read it in any commentaries. How many years between the time? Five years old, and he's grown. But he has a son now. It tells us later on that he has a son. So a lot of years have gone by, and he's lived out here in this place, this pastureless place, lame in his feet. Do you have any thoughts about what he might have been thinking all those years? He had been told lies about King David that because everybody thought David wanted to kill off all of Saul's family and he probably was believing all those lies. He also may have had bitterness in his heart and who know and what kind of thoughts do you think he might have been having about King David and what things may he have been saying about him? It may have been pretty ugly. Um For years and years, this went on. And then here comes this servant and says, Hey, you, the king wants to see you. Do you think he was jumping for joy when that happened? (laughs) I don't think so. I think he was probably pretty scared because David was a fierce warrior and he had defeated all the enemies. Um, So at verse 7 in this chapter, it says, So, So David said to him, to Mephibosheth, when he came in to his presence, the very first thing he said, do not fear. Oh, that is, uh, God's always saying that to us. Do not fear. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan's sake. For Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. All right. When, when Mephibosheth came into his presence, he fell down and prostrated himself in front of the king. The king says, do not fear. I'm going to show you, show you kindness for your father's sake. Because it says right there in the beginning that David, well, it doesn't say he remembered, but, you know, the two wings of the great eagle that James talks about all the time, remember and revelation. King David remembered the covenant that he had with Jonathan And because of that covenant, he wanted to show kindness to whoever was left. Not because Mephibosheth had deserved it. Not because he had earned it. Not because he had even repented and changed the way he was thinking about King David. No, none of that. It was simply because he was in covenant with Mephibosheth's father that he wanted to show kindness. Now, we can take that and apply it to us. Our heavenly father, our daddy, has entered into covenant with his son. 
our bridegroom, the one that loves us, the one that gave his life for us. The Father and the Son have entered into covenant together. The Son fulfilled every last bit of the law. He, he uh, completed and accomplished everything. There's nothing left to be done except to believe and enter in by faith into this covenant so that the Father can heap the blessings on us because of what the Son did. Oh my goodness. We don't deserve it. You know, we hardly can function in this world without thinking about, well, I deserve that. <laughs> or, I don't deserve that. Why would you treat me that way? Um, somebody the other day said something at, at work. I heard a lady say, well, they don't deserve that. And I thought, everything that we hear all the time is either you deserve or you don't deserve. You're worthy or you're not worthy. Mephibosheth was totally unworthy. Completely, utterly, totally unworthy. There wasn't one thing that he had done or could do to deserve any of the blessing, any of it. But David wanted to bless him because of the covenant that he had entered into because he had a heart, a big heart, a heart of God. It shows us the Father's heart to us. His heart is big, it is open, and it is good, and he is not mad. He is happy, and he is full of joy. And he wants to bless us exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can even think or imagine, according to that power that works right in us when we're a believer. The very God of all creation comes and lives inside of us by his Spirit. And this tiny little story right here shows us that. Now, an interesting little aside to this, Mephiboseth, that's a really interesting name. I mean, who, who can hardly even say it? <laughs> okay, before I continue on this, I want to tell you all a funny little story about Mephiboseth. When, um, in the mid-80s, my husband was transferred over to Orlando, and I was really mad because we lived in Ormond Beach. And we were in our little, I was settled in my little nest. And everybody at our church loved us, and it was so great, and we were having fun. And all of a sudden, all that was going to be yanked up. And so one night, I'm going to bed, and I hear one word, Lodi Bar. And I go, Lodi Bar? What is that? And I go to bed and go to sleep. Don't even think about it again. Before I even woke up in the morning, I heard Lodi Bar. So, you know, you have to look it up. Go to Strong, see if maybe, maybe, just maybe, that's a word in the Bible. Well, sure enough. And when I looked it up and saw what it meant, pastureless, oh, my word. In that moment, it did not take two hours of agonizing. It was one second, a whole change happened. You know, repentance. <laughs> change your mind. You're going that way. You turn around and go that way. I said, oh, and I just knew. If I kept my attitude like it was, what I thought was such a wonderful pasture, such a wonderful place to live, a marvelous nest, the whole little deal, you know, all the little birdies in line and everything's going great, would become like Lodi Bar. So in that moment, it was like easy. Okay, let's go. 
let's do it. Because I knew we would go from pasture to pasture to pasture, from strength to strength to strength. You know, those who have set their mind on pilgrimage, and the Lord puts that in us to do that. Every one of us in here set our hearts and our minds to go with him. Sometimes we act a little funny in the process. <laughs> but we've made that bottom line decision. And so we know we're going to go from strength to strength, faith to faith, glory to glory. So anyway, Lodibar was interesting. So that made me read the story. Well, years later, when we were living over here in central Florida, in the center part, away from the ocean, anyway, imagine that, and I'm still here. <laughs> um, we had five acres out in the middle of an 80-acre plot of natural Florida woods which was really cool. And you couldn't even see the houses around. And one day, this black cat shows up. Just out in the woods, it just shows up. And Dan starts feeding it out there. And he comes in and he says, I know what we're going to call this cat. And I said, what? He says, Mephiboseth. I said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, he's gotten to come to the king's house. And this is a blessed cat. So... Later, we found out it was girl. He goes, well, that's no problem. We'll just call her Mephibosethus. <laughs> and I go, no, M, M, M is the name. But anyway, the Lord was teaching us through that whole thing about the goodness of his heart towards us and how he wanted to bring us to his table. And four times in these 13 verses, it says that Mephibosheth got to come to the king's table and eat. King David restored to him everything that had belonged to Saul, his grandfather. Everything. And he had all of his um, servants and his sons, really, serve Mephibosheth. Take care of the house, take care of the fields, plant, harvest, bring in the produce so that there was plenty of food. But Mephibosheth himself got to sit and eat at the king's table daily, every single day. Um, and we can tell right here that he didn't feel worthy to do that. He says in verse 8, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? I mean, he was feeling pretty bad, but then later on it says, he sat there and ate at the table as one of the sons of the king. So I believe because of the goodness of King David being heaped upon him, and they brought his son too, got to live there in the house and be under the blessing, it doesn't mention a wife. I, that bothers me. But I assume if she's still around, she got to come. <laughs> but, but M got to always sit at the king's table and eat at the king's table. And do you think it was a somber... Uh, oh, let's go eat now. You know, and sad. And all, knowing what we know about King David... He was a joyful person. It was probably music and singing and, I don't know, there was probably some loud discussions. And it was probably pretty neat. And over the years, I'm sure Mephibosheth got to feeling really good and see, 
seeing and being able to receive. Going back to what Clark has been talking about. I bet it was hard for him at first to sit there and be able to receive. He was probably feeling pretty intimidated and all kind of stuff. But eventually, I'm sure he lightened up and started receiving and enjoying himself. Um, you know, the a lot of good these notes are doing me. The, um, down here, I want to just go over here real quick. In verse 10, it says that the servant that had to have take care of all the people working and doing all of that, Zeba, had 15 sons and 20 servants. And you know how cool it is when the Spirit speaks something to you and gives you some revelation. When I read 15 and 20, this was pretty cool. Luke, just flip over there real quick. Luke 15, chapter 15, verse 20. All of us know this story. I'm just going to start reading that verse because you'll know what it is when I start reading. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and, compa and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, isn't that kind of cool? That over there in the story of Mephibosheth, he had 15 sons and 20 servants. And the spirit just goes, Luke 15, 20. So I flipped over there, and there it was. The Father's heart is always looking for us. God, God, the God, the creator of everything, God himself came to us. We didn't have to go like all the other religions in the world. We didn't have to go looking for him, try climbing, fighting, doing this, doing that, to try to get in his favor. He, God, came to us with compassion and he wants to take his arms and just wrap them around us, embrace us. If we will just sometimes, you know, sometimes it's easier than other times to let him do that, to receive his kisses, receive him. Just because he's always out there for us. He's not against us. Just like King David was for Mephibosheth. He was not against him. He only wanted to bless him. He didn't, he didn't give a rip. He had no clue what Mephibosheth had been thinking about. He didn't care if Mephibosheth thought he was the worst king that there ever was. None of, that was irrelevant to him. We waste so much time thinking about things like that. And not just receiving the Father's love through what he, he did on the cross through his son. And the resurrection, I, you know, God's pretty cool. He talks to us in all kinds of different ways in our language and stuff. 
Um, Mephibosheth, oh, I was going to tell you what his name means. Okay, let me look just to be sure. Exterminator or dispeller of shame. Now, listen to this. When light comes, it will dispel darkness. Light came to Mephibosheth when the servant brought him to the king's house. The light rose. God, who spoke light into the darkness, has spoken into our hearts the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When light was spoken to Mephibosheth, all shame was dispelled. And he could then walk, a walk that was not a crippled walk, even though his feet may not have been totally healed in the physical. I believe sitting at the king's table, receiving, 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 he became whole. And he no longer walked as a lame man. He walked as a healed man. Um, perfect picture of what the Lord's doing for us. Or has done and we've received and we are in the process. The process of growing in the awareness of who it is that lives in us. And what he has done for us. Over in Psalm 36... Um, for some reason, this happens to be some of my favorite scripture. <laughs> I have a lot of them, but this is really good. Psalm 36, 7 through 9, it says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures for with you is the fountain of life in your light we see light and the revelation of his light that he gives us the more we walk in the revelation that we have the more revelation we will receive in his light we see light in his light, we see him. We see his glory. We see his beauty. The God of this age has come to blind the minds of those that cannot see the glory so that they cannot see the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the face of Jesus. But we have had that veil removed, so in his light, we see light. And we grow... I like to say from light to light, from revelation to revelation, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. Um, and his loving kindness, how precious is your loving kindness? That is a covenant word. A lot of times that word is translated mercy. Sometimes it's translated kindness like it was over in Second Samuel. Um, and it, it's, pretty, it's an amazing word. Now, if I can find Second Second Samuel again, <laughs> um, I wrote it down somewhere. Okay, here it is. 
That word loving kindness is a word in Hebrew called hasid, which means loving kindness, ten tender mercies. But listen to this. It implies personal involvement in a relationship beyond the rule of law. Beyond. Personal involvement in a relationship beyond the rule of law. It's mutual reciprocal rights with each other. That's pretty cool. Pardon me? I'm reading the definition from Strong's Concordance, um, and I just have it written down here at the bottom of the page. But it's the word loving kindness or mercy or kindness, when you see those in, in the Old Testament, particularly in the Psalms a lot of times, it's that word, hasid, that means and implies personal involvement in a relationship beyond the rule of law, mutual reciprocal rights. Um, it has in, in it generosity, loyalty, um, steadfastness, strength, and love. Glory to God. I mean, and what does it say over and over in the Psalms? His loving kindness is better than life. Better. Over in um, Song of Solomon, it says, His loving kindness is better than wine. I mean, my goodness. The loving kindness of God is better than life itself. The, the, um, the light... The light of God, it says in John, the light, oh, what is that, Lord? The light of God is the life of man. His light is our life. His loving kindness to us. But that reciprocal, I mean, we have rights with God according to his loving kindness. The God of all creation, the God of, uni of the universe, who is our daddy, has willingly of his own free choice limited himself to the covenant. That's pretty shocking. That is pretty shocking. But what an awesome covenant we have. It is a covenant. He took all our bad stuff, just to make it real simple. All our junk, all our trash, all our disease, all our sickness, all our sin, all our yuckiness, all our self-centeredness, all, 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 e, all of it, all of the above, everything. He took it all, and we've heard this so many times, and it was all paid for by the blood of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. He left it all in the grave. We died with him. We rose with him. We ascended with him, sitting at the right hand of the Father. We are living in that other place. Mephibosheth got to come out of darkness. Out, you know, there's a psalm that says, My heart longs for you. My soul cries out for you in a dry and weary land. We are no longer in a dry and weary land. We are, have been translated out of that darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. In a land that flows with milk and honey. In a land that has a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. We live in that place now. Mephibosheth 
it's just a tiny little thumbnail picture of what has happened to us. It's so cool. Years ago, when we were learning about that story, that didn't even dawn on me. I, I mean, I knew it was good. It's good to come to the king's house and eat at his table. I mean, his food's pretty good. You know, he's got good food, good wine, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, that's good. But, I, you know, here we go. Growing, the renewing of the mind, the growing of the awareness of who we are in him, who he is in us, what we have, the place that we live. We live in that other place. Last week, James hit on one, another one of my scriptures. Over in Exodus 24, he was talking about how Moses and his sons and the 70 elders got to go up. God said, come up here and worship from afar. And then something supernatural happened because they went up the mountain. But then, like he said, a portal, I like to say a door, whatever you want to call it, there was a big hole <laughs> that opened up. And they got to go up and sit at God's table and eat and drink with him. And under their feet, under their feet, there was a sapphire pavement. They got to be up there and see it. See God. He is a celebrating God. He likes to celebrate. There's a scripture over in Zephaniah. That's a, um, Zephaniah chapter 3. Um, okay, here it is. You know, Mephibosheth was brought out of the wilderness. God was gathering. David was a picture of God gathering back the outcast. He was an outcast. A total outcast, and he got brought in. Well, what were we? We were outcast. We were dead in our sin and our transgression. We were a mess. We were in the world without God, without hope. My, we weren't even of the Jewish people, most of us in here. Maybe there's somebody that's Jewish heritage in here. But, <laughs> but we were out there lost and undone. And he sought us and brought us back. And in Zephaniah, at verse 14, it says, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. That's us now. We can claim that. Sing, rejoice, shout, for something really good has happened to you. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He's taken, he took them all away. We'll never be judged again. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. No matter how bad things get. No matter. He is in our midst. He is in your midst. He is in you, in your midst. Not only that, when two or three are gathered together, he is in the midst of us. Double whammy. Double blessing, double portion. I mean, you know, the spirit and Dale and, and Judy joins with my spirit when we're together. Our spirits are joining together. We are one with each other. And miracle signs and wonders can start to happen. Um, in that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear. 
we can say we're Jerusalem in this day. I think I'm taking a little liberties, but we can. Do not fear. Do not fear. Zion, let... Um, do not fear. Zion, let your hands be weak. Is that right? Yeah. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He saved us. He will continue to save. We will go from saved to saved. But we're fully saved. As saved as we'll ever get. Right now. Right this moment. But we grow in the understanding and the knowledge of it. I understand more now than I did the day that I believe that Jesus was who he said he was and he came in to live in me. I didn't know anything at that time. So we grow in that. But, but, it, but if I had died that second, I would have gone right to be with him. I was just as righteous right then as I am right now. And so are all of you. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. There it is. Our God is a celebrating God. He likes to sing. He likes to dance. He likes to eat. He, he's got a um, wedding feast coming up that we're going to participate in, and it's going to be a party like you've never been to before, ever. Ever. It is going to be the most glorious thing you have ever seen. So I believe, now this is just, I believe the word of the Lord today, the word of the Spirit today is sing, rejoice, shout for joy, do not be afraid. I had a girl yesterday say to me, I just want somebody to tell me what to do. I'm so scared. They're saying, buy all this dry food and buy all this and store up this and do this. And all I could think of was, do not fear. Sing, rejoice, shout for joy. We, we are living in that other place right now. It doesn't matter what happens. Well, it matters, but it doesn't matter. What we have to walk through. Who cares? We have already died. What can they do to a dead person? I mean, for real. This is for real. This is not just a bunch of words. This is really for real. Look at Stephen in the book of Acts. And Paul, what did Paul say? To live is Christ. To die is Cain. So I believe we're coming in a, in a time that we're walking in right now. Spirits of fear have been unleashed into the world. And they're trying to harass and harangue the believers. And trying to get us to sit down and back up. And we will not. Because the almighty creator who is our daddy. Our, our bridegroom lover. Whatever you want to say. He lives in us. He strengthens us. He gives us grace. To, to walk. He gives us his loving kindness. He wraps his arms around us when it gets bad. And he comforts us. I've had plenty of spells where I've been feeling pretty darn bad sometimes. You know, everybody goes through these emotional ups and downs and stuff. But the Spirit of the Lord today, I really believe he's saying, Look up. Look up. Look up. Your redemption draws an eye. 
do not be afraid, but rejoice and be glad. Sing and make melody in your hearts unto the Lord. Sing to each other with songs, hymns, spiritual songs. If you can't sing, talk it. But talk to each other, because I can't sing real good. But talk to each other about the awesome wonders of our God. Share. Shout for joy. Let the Spirit minister to you. Sit down sometimes and just let him speak to you. Ask, ask. This is the last thing. Honor him by asking big. He's big. He's awesome. He's gigantic. He's huge. He's strong. He's powerful. He knows it all. He has a plan. He has a plan for our good and not our harm. And I don't want to ask little anymore. He, he likes us to draw, draw from him. You know, the whole picture of sitting at a table is eating and drinking. How hard is that? That is not hard. Jesus is the bread of life. Eat of him. He says, drink of me. Eat of me. He said, unless you eat my body and drink... Uh, eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And then he says, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Eat of him and rejoice. And the more, the worse it gets, if it gets worse, rejoice more. He's put it in us to do it. He's put it in us to do it because he loves us because he is a rejoicing God. He doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't already done. That thing that says he dances over you and sings over you with shouts of joy and all that. One of those words um, for joy is to spin around as if under the influence of violent emotion. That's what God's doing over every one of you. He is spinning around as if under the influence of violent emotion while he's singing, but it doesn't mean a melodious tune. That word is a loud, creaking, shrill sound. So he is spinning around. I, I, wouldn't, I don't think I better demonstrate. <laughs> he's spinning around under you, under the influence of violent emotion, making a shrill, loud, creaking sound saying, Woo! I love him. They're great. Look at them. So, anyway, that's what Mephibosheth got to partake of. And that's just a tiny little picture in the Old Testament of what we now walk in. Amen. Amen. So, let's just pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy. I thank you for blessing every single one of these precious saints. That this week will be a week that is very unusual. That their eyes will be opened. And they'll be able to see into that unseen realm. Things that they have never seen before. We want it, Lord. We, we want to see the glory in the face of Jesus. Just like on the Mount of Transfiguration. Thank you, Lord. You let us see what was inside. You let it be manifested. Let your light, let your life, let your glory be manifested through your people to influence whoever they come in contact with. 
Lord, if anyone is sick, I ask that your healing virtue would be released in their bodies and they would be healed from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. I thank you, Lord, um, for any depression or oppression to leave in Jesus' name. I ask that your joy would rise up from their spirit and be released through every part of their being. That your peace, because you are our peace, you are our joy, you are our health, and we thank you for that. I just speak your mega blessing over every one of these precious ones. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.